What's going on, everybody? Thank you so much for kicking off your week with us. This is your Monday edition of Fantasy MLB Today. We're a sports ethos presentation, of course, and I'm your host, Joe Orico. You can find me on Twitter at JoeOrico99 and also at EthosFantasyBB. We are still posting daily content over there, our pickups of the day, these podcasts, of course, and then we also have our other great content coming out there on the written side and our Dynasty Baseball podcast, the Farmer's Market Dynasty Baseball Show. If you guys have not checked it out, it is relatively new. We are about four episodes in over there, Uh, but make sure you guys are checking it out. You can find the links wherever you get your podcasts and at EthosFantasyBB. And if you're not somebody who uses Twitter, go to SportsEthos.com. That is where you will find all of that great content. Now... Today we are going to talk about one piece of news off the bat, then I'm going to dive into a specific player uh, a little bit, and then we're going to talk about a couple of streamers that we are going to be looking at for tomorrow's games. Uh, We're going to do this uh, a couple times this week, look at the next day ahead streamers. We've been doing weekend streamers. We've been doing pretty well, I think, if you look back at our track record this season. We specifically have done it more in the second half of the year, looking at these weekend streamers. But we've hit on a good 75-80% of them, I would say. I haven't gone back and looked through every single one. But for the most part, uh, the guys that I have recommended for streams, you have gotten good results out of. Uh, Usually you've gotten five, six innings, sometimes a victory, which is kind of tricky to really predict. But anyway, we've done well uh, with our streamer pick, so we're going to do a couple more of those a little bit later on in the show. But for right now, we are going to start off with Mike Trout. Mike Trout is officially done for the year. We kind of knew this already. But we got the official word yesterday afternoon. He was transferred to the 60-day IL because of the fracture in his wrist. This is a tough one. Uh, If you were holding on to Mike Trout, which a lot of people were, he was still 93% rostered in Yahoo Leagues. He went down to now 88%, and that will just keep going down uh, over this next week, I would imagine, specifically probably today and tomorrow as people see the news this is going to be a tricky one uh, throughout the offseason. Obviously, for now, there's there's nothing you can do except for dropping him. But we're going to have to take a long time to figure out where Mike Trout should go in drafts next year. I've heard people start to speculate on this somewhere in the fourth round or the fifth round, depending on league size. I'm really not too sure. There's going to depend on a few different factors. One of them is going to be where he's playing. That's the, probably the biggest one for me right now. Um, his health has been a concern, and we'll get to that in a minute. But also, I think there's a decent chance that he doesn't play for the Angels next season. If the Angels are smart, and granted, they have not been smart historically, uh, this last decade-plus has been a disaster. And it's crazy because they've had Trout for that whole time frame, putting up the best career of the, his generation, pretty you know universally regarded as the best player of his generation. And yet still... There's been no success. Otani is gone this offseason. That is pretty much a foregone conclusion. Uh, Once he cleared out his locker a week, two weeks before the season ends, uh, that was kind of a clear indication of where he stands. He's going to get treated. Uh, He's going to have surgery or whatever the treatment is on his own, not through the team because he's an impending free agent. So Otani's gone. Uh, For all intents and purposes, Otani is gone. Trout may be gone as well. If they're a smart organization, I think that they should just rip the Band-Aid off now They already messed up once, not trading Otani at the deadline. I said that they should have beforehand. Everybody pretty much universally says, yeah, no, it was a good idea for them to go for it down the stretch. I wholeheartedly disagree, and I disagreed at the time. They should have traded him in July and gotten something back for him because now he's gone and they're going to get absolutely nothing for it. I think they should trade Mike Trout before they continue to see him decline because if you look back over these last couple of seasons, he's still an excellent baseball player, and by most 
you know, people's standards, the numbers that he's put up over these last couple of years have been gaudy and career highs for a lot of people. But for Mike Trout, not exactly what you would be hoping for. Uh, we have seen the strikeout rate generally kind of go up. We've seen the walk rate generally go down. Last year, the power was still there. In 119 games, we saw 40 home runs. This season, pretty good power as well. 82 games, you can pretty much double the games, you know, the, the numbers across the board just to see what he would have had generally over the course of a full season. It's not always perfect like that, but you're looking at roughly 36 homers, about 110 runs scored, and about 90, 88 RBI uh, in that range. It's not quite what we are used to seeing from Mike Trout. The power is still generally there, but this goes back to the team around him as well. And we'll get to the batting average in a second, but the team around him has been progressively getting worse and worse and worse. You know, you look back at those years in the early 2010s and you're getting 129 runs and 83 RBIs in his rookie year. And then 109 and 97, 115, 111, 104 and 90, 123 and 100. Uh, you know, you're getting those kind of years every single season from Mike Trout. And, you know, he's also stealing bases in those days, which is just another thing that he doesn't really do anymore. So the team around him sucks. He doesn't steal bases anymore. And the batting average, which, you know, used to every year be 300 plus, very rarely you'd see a 280, 290 kind of season. And that would be a down year. In these last couple of years, we've seen 283. And this past season was 263 for Mike Trout. 263 is really not anything to be writing home about at all. You're pairing it with substandard production in the stolen base and runs in RBI category, and then you're really just hoping that Mike Trout still has great power coming off of hand surgery. It might not be the same, you know, kind of grip he has on the batters. You know, it might not be perfect uh, coming back next season and going forward. Mike Trout is not a young guy anymore. He's 32 years old. So if he stays in Los Angeles, given all that, I'm not going to be that interested in him. If I get him in the fifth round, then sure, I don't have any problem with fifth round Mike Trout when you're, he's usually been a first, second round kind of guy. But I don't think that there's a lot of upside if he is there. If he gets traded, then I think that there is potentially a lot more upside, depending on where he goes. And I don't think the situation could really get much worse. He's not getting traded to Oakland or Colorado or Kansas, which is about the only situations I can think of that have a worse roster construction. Uh, offensively anyway, if he goes anywhere, you have to think it's going to be kind of a boost. It just depends on how healthy he's going to be. And there was, I forget who it was. I think it was Paul Spohr when he was on the show earlier uh, this year. We were talking about Mike Trout, and he put it, yeah, it, it was it was Spohr. It definitely was Spohr. Uh, that Mike Trout we're going to kind of have to look at as the hitting version of Clayton Kershaw going forward, as a guy that you kind of just bank on getting 120 games out of instead of, you know, the full season's worth of games, 32 starts, 160 games, whatever. That's just kind of who he's been these last couple of years after being 157, 157, 159 kind of game guy every single year. And there was a couple of years where it was like 140, 135, but you'll live with that. These last couple of years, 119 and 82, you know, it hasn't been uh, what you would really hope for. You got to think next year you're going to get 100, 120 games out of Mike Trout at least, but you, you're not looking at him in the same light that we used to as that easy number one pick going into your draft, or at the very worst case, a top three draft pick, depending on your format. But for a good few years there, Mike Trout was a very easy number one pick, and then it became a very easy first round pick. This past season, he was more going second round kind of thing. And now we're looking at probably fourth or fifth round. If he gets traded to the Dodgers, he's not going to the Dodgers, I don't think. But if he did go to the Dodgers, um, you know, Angels fans would probably be killing themselves if Otani and Trout both went to the Dodgers. But if he goes to any kind of plus lineup situation, then he's going to be able to contend for 
you know, 80, 90 runs in RBIs, even if you're not getting that full season worth of games. He is that talented still, and the power is, you know, maybe not going to be this to the same extent, but you, you got to figure after he recovers, he'll be even 90% of what he was. You're still thinking he can jack out 30-ish home runs. Um, that probably should be what we expect. I, I just think we still need to kind of wait and see uh, where he goes. That's a huge part of this. That's actually maybe the biggest part of this is the destination. When the Angels were fielding pretty good offensive teams in the early 2010s when Pujols was there and Josh Hamilton, and there was a few different pieces that were uh, contributing there pretty pretty well uh, in the early 2010s. Mark Trumbo for a couple of years. Like, there were some good names uh, that were giving you good offensive production power-wise and everything else. Mike Trout had those 200-plus run in RBI seasons. He's not going to get that on the Angels next year. If he's still on the Angels, everything right now stays the same. The Angels don't really do much in terms of free agents or whatever trades. I got to think Mike Trout's a fourth or fifth rounder at best. Um, if anybody wants to push him up higher than that, I just don't see there being a hell of a lot of upside knowing that you're probably getting, at this point, probably not the same 300-plus hitter that you're going to get <clears throat> previously in his career. You're not going to get those steals, and you're probably not looking at too many runs in RBI. So he might be a cautionary tale uh, heading into next season, Mike Trout. But let's move on, and let's talk about another player that I want to get into here a little bit, and that's Vladimir Guerrero Jr. Would you know, and I don't think a lot of people are really aware of this, especially outside of Toronto, he is the youngest player on the Blue Jays roster. Vladimir Guerrero Jr. on the Blue Jays Major League roster, he is the youngest player. After five years of Major League experience still, at 24 years old, he is the youngest guy that we have here. He put up a season so far right now that is 26 homers, 94 ribbies. He's stolen five bases. He's batted 266. That's still... For most players, you know, we're, we are we are judging him based on the incredible year he had a couple seasons ago. For most players, what he's doing, especially considering his age, it is still phenomenal. In an offense that has generally underperformed, and you can look at the counting stats, for a lot of Blue Jays players this season, they're not really what you would expect. You know, you think of this team, and especially recently, they've been very good. They've got up to 87 and 69. They are looking like a lock to make the playoffs. Offensively, you're looking at you know running RBI totals that are pretty bad. 65 from Springer, 69 from Bichette. I know he's missed time. 51 from Chapman, 53 from Varsho. You know, Whit Merrifield has 64 RBIs. After Springer, Guerrero, and Bichette, he is the team leader. I don't think anybody would have expected that. The team has struggled uh, to drive in runs, but Vladimir Guerrero has still been doing it. And I think we got to look at that and say, okay, he's still 24 years old. He's still producing to maybe not what we were hoping for, a first-round fantasy level, but he's still on pace. You know, We're on the last week here. He's hit five home runs over the last couple of weeks. Let's say he hits one or two more. Let's call it 28 homers. It's looking like he's probably going to touch 100 RBIs. It'll be very close anyway. It'll be similar to last year. He had 97, somewhere in that range. And you're going to get like a 270 batting average out of him. It's really not the end of the world, and I hear a lot of people talking about him as like he's a bust in those kind of terms. He is still one of the most talented young players in the game, and I think that that does kind of get lost on some people because he has been around for a while, and it's just because he came up so young. When you come to the big leagues as, a, I guess he was 20 or 20, I, for, I forget actually um, if he was 20 years old when he first debuted or if he was, I believe, I believe he was 20. When you come up that young, you are going to probably need a few years to adjust. He happened to spike an incredible, maybe career best season at age 22. And we're all kind of judging him based on that season. I think we should just look at him in the context of he is an excellent, excellent, durable first baseman 
If you look at the games played over the last three seasons, it's 161 and 160. And here we are with a week left, and he's at 151. I can't imagine him sitting out any of these games. He did have to miss a couple games uh, because he was nursing something recently. But unless he's dying, I can't see him missing anything here over the last week of the season. He's durable. He's still giving you close to 100 RBIs. Yes, the runs were not quite what we were hoping for, and neither were the homers. But generally speaking, he is still an excellent, excellent young player. If you're looking at the exit velocities, if you're looking at the barrel rates, you're looking at hard hit percentages, expected batting average, all excellent. His expected batting average is 294. It's in the 95th percentile. His expected slugging is 502. It's the 89th percentile. There's a lot of good if you look through StatCast. If you look through anything uh, regarding, you know, any, anything digging deeper on Vladimir Guerrero Jr., it's not like you're finding awful stats. You're finding things that support the fact that he's probably not been as good as he should be through these first couple of seasons. So heading into next year, I'll probably have Freddie Freeman ranked as my number one first baseman. Matt Olson will probably be number two. But there's a chance that Vladimir Guerrero honestly could be number two. There's still so much to like in such a young profile. I know some people are disappointed in what we have seen from him so far in the big leagues because of his age 22 season being just ridiculous. But he, there's no reason why he can't get somewhere close to that again. He will have another 40 home run season probably as soon as next year. He's still going to be, you know, these last two years have been down years, and you're still looking at 100 RBIs and 30 home runs. Like, that's like we have to look at this, objectively speaking, with a 270 average. It's not like he went out there and hit 18 homers, drove in 65, and batted 220 or something like that. You're still looking at a top 80 or so fantasy season. Yes, it's not exactly what we were hoping for, but I think we might have set our expectations too high. He's probably not a first-rounder. I think he could easily get there. Heading into drafts next season, he's probably somebody that should be taken in the second or maybe early third, depending on your uh, league size. I think he's somewhere that should, someone that should fall in the mid to late 20s of drafts, maybe even early 20s. I would not mind reaching for him in the second round, if, assuming his ADP is like 28 or something. And honestly, it might not even fall that low. But if it is... I would not mind reaching for him a little bit earlier in the second round. The profile is still so good. I don't see this Blue Jays team really stepping back offensively. I think they're going to just continue to grow. They know they don't probably have Boba forever. I don't know the Boba going to come back to Toronto. I could see Vladimir Guerrero Jr. playing in Toronto for his entire career. He seems to love it here. But I don't know that we're going to have Bo forever, and I think the team does realize that. They want to do what they can over these next couple of seasons while they know they have them uh, to continue adding pieces offensively here to this team. I don't think Dalton Varsho is going to be as bad as he was. You know, We're probably going to see Arelvis Martinez up at third base. I think he can provide a bit of a spark to the lineup. George Springer is still going to be there. I, you know, The catching situation, Jansen and Kirk should still be pretty decent. Uh, I think the offensive picture is pretty pretty bright for next season as a whole for the team. And I do think that Vlad Guerrero is going to be a lot better. Like, I think these last two seasons are probably some of the worst that we are going to see from him in his 20s. They're probably, this is probably the worst season of his career that he's going to have uh, in, his, in his 20s, outside of his, outside of his rookie season. This is probably the low point. So I wouldn't look at uh, Vladimir Guerrero as somebody that we should be avoiding or he's a big bust or whatever. Just look a little bit deeper in the numbers, look at the expected stats, and they are absolutely excellent people are making arguments that you should take christian walker ahead of vladimir guerrero jr and they will make those arguments next season and i don't buy into it you know we're looking at christian walker's stats this past off season and he outperformed his expected batting average and it was like in the 270s and he hit 30 home runs yeah that's 
that's pretty much Christian Walker, and that's pretty much Vladimir Guerrero Jr., except Vlad is on a team that is much better, and he's about seven years younger, six, seven years younger, whatever it is. So I, I won't be taking Christian Walker ahead of Vlad. There's an argument maybe that it's a better value because he's a few rounds later. But Christian, um, but Vladimir Guerrero Jr. is still somebody that has a much, much higher ceiling for fantasy and for real life, and he's somebody that you should consider taking in that second-round territory. Is he a first-rounder? I don't think so. Uh, but second round, I don't have a problem with him there at all. Okay, let's talk about a couple of streaming options. There are three that I am looking at for tomorrow. We're going to start off with Mr. Reese Olson. Reese Olson has been excellent. I expect I'm going to read a bunch of pieces on him this offseason. A uh, recent stretch of games for him has been dominant. Uh, going back to August 28th, it was only four and a third against the Yankees, but it was 10 strikeouts. Followed that up with seven shutout against the White Sox, and then only had one strikeout in that game. It was very weird. Uh, another game against the White Sox, six and two-thirds, two runs there. After that, six innings, one run against Cincinnati, and then he did the same thing, six innings, and only one run his last time out at Dodger Stadium, striking out five. He's been really good. He's a top 15 player over the last month, and he is only 35% rostered. This time of year, there's a very good chance that Reese Olsen is just sitting on your waiver wire. He gets a matchup against Kansas City, who's actually been playing spoiler. Uh, they have maybe will you know end up will end up looking back at the season, and Kansas City might be the reason why Houston did not make the playoffs. I don't know if it's going to get to that point, uh, but I believe they just swept the Astros, which is just absolutely remarkable uh, for a team. Um, yeah, they did. They just swept the Guardians, and then they swept the Astros right after. They've won six in a row. Um, they've been on a hot stretch. That being said, they're not a good team. I don't think that this is really something that you can expect to sustain. The way that Reese Olsen, I mean, you're looking at two players or a team that has been hot versus a player who's been hot. Uh, but Reese Olsen has been very dominant. This Kansas City team does not scare me. I don't think that what they're doing uh, is something that is going to hold up. Now, I do talk this time of year about sometimes, and a lot of the time, especially over a week span or a two-week span, a hot streak can sustain but there's not a team that has been putting up like massive run totals. Even if you look at the Astros series, it was six, three, and seven runs, six, seven, and six in the previous series. They're not terribly low numbers. They're not terribly high numbers either. Um, they're not blowing teams out. They're not a great offensive team. And I do think Reese Olsen is somebody uh, that you could probably pretty comfortably uh, stream tomorrow. It is a little bit scary considering the way that Kansas City has been playing, but I don't think that they should scare you off uh, from a pretty solid streamer in Reese Olsen here. Braxton Garrett is the second guy. Braxton Garrett is uh, somebody that I've been a big fan of. If you go and look at my old tweets about him, I have been a fan for a while. It has paid off over the last month or so. Uh, his last couple starts, he has not allowed an earned run. Six innings and seven strikeouts apiece against the Mets and Milwaukee. Now he gets the Mets again. And I'm pretty confident uh, streaming him here if you're looking for strikeouts, if you're looking for a win potential. The Mets are absolute trash. The Marlins have actually not been too bad, and these games really mean something to them. Uh, you know, that not that you're, you're going to get a better performance necessarily if these games mean more, but I could see Braxton Garrett uh, given another great performance here considering how good he has been over this last month. He is a top 50 player in that time, and he's bordering on top 100 player for the season, uh, 124th-ranked player. Right now, if he gives you a really good start here, there's a chance he finishes inside that top 100, or at worst case, like 110th or something. Uh, somebody that was one of my big hits this season. I told people to stay strong with Braxton Garrett. And if you held on, uh, you were very happy with the results. He has been great. I think he can give you one more uh, bit of a swan song to this season against the Mets. I would be picking him up tomorrow. 
Seth Lugo is the third one. He hasn't gotten the love he's deserved the entire season. 54% rostered right now for whatever reason. He has a 379 ERA, a 123 whip, and he's striking out about a guy per inning for the course of the entire season. 133 Ks in 137 innings. He's coming off of six strong innings against Colorado where he allowed two runs. The start against uh, previously was against Oakland. He picked up the win. That one was three runs over six innings. But still, he's been very strong for the entire season. Not a hell of a lot of wins, only seven. That's because the Padres are choke artists, and they are not a very good team overall this year. That's not Seth Lugo's fault. He has been really, really good, and I would be looking at him against a very struggling uh, San Francisco team that has not been very good for a while. So he is somebody that I'm looking at. Those three guys I think are pretty viable, Reese Olsen, Braxton Garrett, and Seth Lugo. Take a look at them for tomorrow. That is it for us. I am going to do one more mailbag show tomorrow. Hell with it. We'll do one more. I will tweet it out if you guys have any of your questions. It'll be the last mailbag we are doing for this year. If you have questions about you know this week, if you have questions about anything that happened this season, about uh, rankings or anything for next season, anything along those lines, do go out there and search my Twitter handle. That's Joe Orico 99 J-O-E-O-R-R-I-C-O-99. And I will answer your questions over on Twitter, and I will also answer them here on the show. I don't expect there will be a hell of a lot of traffic. You'll probably get 10 questions or so. I'll probably just answer all of them on the show uh, here tomorrow. So check that one out. Also be checking out Ethos Fantasy BB and all we have going on. Also on the fantasy basketball side, a lot of stuff we have going on as well with the season. Uh, I think officially within a month away now. I think it starts October 24th. So we are right there uh, just about to start basketball. So make sure you're checking us out on that front as well. But that'll do it for me, guys. JoeRico99 on Twitter, sportsethos.com is where to be finding all of that great work. But until tomorrow... Have a great night. Enjoy the short slate. And cheers, everybody. We'll see you then. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.